everyone. Welcome to the You Press Play News Podcast, Episode 4. My name is Natalia. I am the news editor. I am Jillian. I am the uh, copy desk chief. I'm Michael. I'm a contributing writer. And on today's list of topics we'll be talking about in FAA News, we'll be talking about the Justin, Justin Flippen Memorial Scholarship that was just announced, who is getting the scholarship, and FAU in-person commencement. And in national news, we'll be talking about the AstraZeneca vaccine, Texas reopening, stimulus checks, minimum wage, Kumo, and the George Floyd police reform bill. So I guess I'll just start off with the FAU in-person commencement. So this past week, FAU, John Kelly, announced the in-person commencement for the spring 2021 graduating class. Now, this um, ceremony will be held in two different time slots, depending on the college that the student is graduating in. Now, this is only for the spring 2021 graduating class. All of the graduating classes from 2020 are being told not to come as of right now. There will be something separate for them. Now, there is a separate um, day as of right now. They are having a separate day specifically as a backup in case it does rain because this in-person commencement will be outside. It would not be held in a closed indoor space. So does anyone want to kind of talk about it, what they view from this? Because I think it's a good, um, it's a good thing that they're trying to have an in-person commitment. Yeah, I mean, definitely, because I, earlier in the semester, I spoke to 2020 graduates who didn't get to have that experience. And um, obviously, it's, you know, very frustrating. Most people were pretty good sports about it and, you know, satisfied that FAU did something. But um, I just really hope that they can do this safely. Um, because as exciting as it is that people do get to walk, we're still not at the point where everyone is vaccinated um, and numbers still aren't fantastic. So uh, I'm excited for the graduating class. I just hope that this is something that they can do safely. Mm-hmm. So, Michael, you want to pitch in on this? Uh, yeah, I, I agree with Jillian. Um, I, I, I think having it outside is definitely a great idea. And and, and I uh, I think that it's good that we're having it. We've had, uh, FEU's had sports, uh, indoor sports. I mean, you could go to the arena and watch the basketball game. And I know that the arena is small and it doesn't allow very many people. But if you can go watch a basketball game, which, I mean, if we should even be playing sports is another conversation altogether. But then I think that, that people should be able to walk at their graduation especially if it's outside, especially if it's at two different venues and they're doing everything they can to keep people safe. And we've, you know, we've all watched the news. We see the cases are coming down. More and more people are getting vaccinated. And um, I don't know, I just, I'm, I'm happy for the 20, uh, 21 graduates because I, when I got my associate in arts at Broward College, I didn't get the chance to uh, graduate. So uh and I, I, I like like uh, Jillian said, I was a good sport about it. it. Didn't really bother me, but I know that it, that might bother other people a different type of way. And it's you, you'd hate to see that opportunity get taken from you. So I'm really happy that they're going to try it in some way. And I hope that everyone stays safe. Mm-hmm. I remember. I remember I was the last when I graduated from Broward College from my AA. I was the last class that I actually had the ceremony because I graduated in fall 2019. 
that was the last one that I actually got to have that experience. So I'm pretty happy that the people that are graduating this semester are going to have that opportunity. So Jillian, I think you wanted to say something. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just a really great point about sports being able to, you know, have their games and stuff. I thought that was a really great point because it's very true. And it's interesting always to see where priorities lie. (laughs) (laughs) The Justin Flippin Memorial Scholarship the recipient was just named this past week. So Jillian, I know you had some updates on that. Yeah, so Emily Miranda, she is going to receive the scholarship. So the Justin Flippin Memorial was made in honor of Justin Flippin. He was actually an FAU student body uh, president uh, 20 years ago. He he was the first openly gay student body president uh, in the state of Florida 20 years ago. Um, And he very sadly passed away in February 2020 um, due to an aneurysm at the age of 41. Um, So that is why FAU has this scholarship in his name. So yes, the recipient, she's going to be Emily Miranda. She's a political science major here at FAU. um, And she says she is very passionate about political activism and social justice. So uh, people who knew Flippin are very happy that she's going to be the recipient. They feel like she's a very worthy recipient and she's also very honored to be the first one to receive it. So it's very exciting. Mm -hmm. So... Michael, do you have anything you want to kind of pitch uh, on? Yeah, yeah. There's a couple cool things I like about this. Uh, I, I like that um, that to get the scholarship, you have to be um, entering public service. Mm-hmm. Because I think from the little bit I know about Flippin, that uh, he was, um, he, he, he cared about that. But um, one of the things that was, he, I, I feel like he was a trailblazer in a lot of ways, because you see in the article, uh, he gets shout outs from Pete Buttigieg. He gets shout outs from... Andrew Gillum, and uh, these are Pete Buttigieg is gay, and uh, Gillum came out as bisexual, I think, earlier this year. So um, you could say without flipping that maybe these politicians wouldn't have had the courage to come out and be their true selves and run for election, get elected, uh, things like that. So I'm, I'm really happy for the scholarship, even though um, for, for the recipient of it, even though uh, my major, I don't think any of our majors qualify for mm-hmm. it. But that's awesome that um, that she's able to get that and able to uh, give back in a way. And I think it's uh, it's cool also for the memory of Justin Flippin. I uh, I used to live in Wilton Manors, and uh, it's a, it's an awesome place. Um, it's it's really um, different culturally than the rest of Fort Lauderdale in such a cool way. Like Wilton Drive is awesome. So um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's awesome. That's the way I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just for context, he was a uh, mayor of Wilton Manors, I believe, yeah. at some point. Yeah, back in the day. Yeah, and that, and that's an awesome city. I mean, there's yeah. so many cool restaurants, so many cool people. So I'm happy that you know one of one of uh, one of Fort Lauderdale's own gets remembered in such a good way. Mm-hmm. So I guess that wraps up all the FAU news we have into national news now. So the first on the national news is the AstraZeneca vaccine. So if you guys don't know, the AstraZeneca is another one of the COVID-19 vaccines that was rolled out in Europe, not in the United States as of know of, but apparently um, Italy blocked experts of the AstraZeneca coronavirus vaccine to Australia amid a anger in the European Union over the delivery of the AstraZeneca vaccine. And just a couple hours ago, maybe seven hours ago, according to Reuters, uh, 
I think it's Reuters. Reuters. My goodness. Reuters said uh, Austria has suspended the AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine batch after death. So apparently, uh, they Austrian, uh, Austrian authorities are suspending a batch of the AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine as a precaution while investigating the death of one person and the illness of another after the shots. So I don't know for the United States. I know we're not possibly getting the AstraZeneca. I know right now we have the Pfizer, the Moderna, and I'm pretty sure we just got the Johnson Johnson one. Yep. So yep. Michael, you had something to say about this? I was going to say uh, that for this uh, for this death thing, I, I read that to you just like 20 minutes ago. Uh, they, they don't know for sure that the death is causally mm. related yet. So before we uh, anyone gets scared, but I know it's not available to the U.S. yet. But um, uh, another interesting thing is the uh, the Dalai Lama, the uh, he, he got the AstraZeneca vaccine yesterday. Mm. So um, we'll see. I, I don't know when that's or if we're going to get it in the United States eventually, but uh, we need all the help we can get. But um I just thought that it was uh, important to say that they don't know for sure if uh, this vaccine had anything to do with someone dying or or uh, getting sick yet. They don't know. Um, and I mean, I know it doesn't we, we don't have it here in the U.S., but we've seen how many people are uh, skeptical, I guess, of the vaccines and public health and all that. So because mm-hmm. I remember there was one case of someone took the COVID-19 vaccine and then died, but the person already had COVID in them before they got the vaccine. So it's always nice to kind of be skeptical about these tests, make sure, um, is it related to the vaccine or is it related to anything that the person already had before they took this specific vaccine? So Jillian. Yeah, I'll definitely be looking forward to the studies that they release on it because um, I'm very cynical about the cause and effect relationship here. You know, hopefully, Hopefully it isn't the cause. And I guess I'm most concerned because I have family members who have very much fallen into this hole of, you know, anti-vaccination, specifically anti-COVID vaccination. Um, I had a family member the other day send me a documentary about how um, it's going to taking the vaccine will kill me and I'll be infertile and I'll never have kids. Um, and I'm actually, I want to watch it because I just want to know. I want to know where they're getting this information. Apparently some doctor who quit has a gripe. Uh, I don't know. It's just so, when I hear headlines like this, it makes me nervous because I know it just feeds into this kind of almost mass hysteria. I don't want to say mass because I don't think the population number is that big, hopefully, <laughs> but uh, it, it always just makes me nervous because I know it's going to have an impact on our ability to safely combat the virus. Mm-hmm. Michael. Uh, yeah, I got a little bit of the same thing with that. Uh, I wanted to say, first of all, too, though, that uh, if anyone's going to get vaccinated, make sure you go to your doctor first and find out that you're not allergic to anything or anything mm-hmm. because you can get, you know what I mean? You, you have to make sure that you're not allergic to something. That doesn't mean that the vaccine is making you sick. It means it's sort of like a peanut allergy. Peanuts aren't dangerous. They're dangerous to only certain people or whatever like that. But uh, I've, I've seen the uh, the infertility thing as well, Jillian, from people that I know. And it's like, I don't know where they're getting the information. And uh, it's brave of them to assume I want children anyway. But um, <laughs> I had the same thought. I was like, uh, 
you don't even know what I'm planning on doing with my life. So <laughs> yeah. So um, I'll throw that in there. But um, I think that if I'm not a big Facebooker, uh, it's um, I think it's more of a social network for older people nowadays. Um, but if you go on there, I, I have one and, and I have friends that are older that are on there. And, and you should just see like a lot of the bogus stuff that gets uh, shared. You saw a lot of it during the election and now it's like vaccine stuff. And um, or even if I was reading in the Washington Post, a lot of the people that uh, subscribe to like all these conspiracies, they think it's like a microchip or it's it's uh, it's to sterilize people or whatever. But um, I don't know. <laughs> that That's where I assume they're getting it from. But I, I don't understand how people fall for it because it's so clearly fake. And I don't know. That's all I got to say. Yeah, I mean, the reason why, and this will be very quick, or I'll try to make it very quick, but, um, you know, there's a lot of, maybe not a lot, but but people research, you know, why people are susceptible to this. And I think that um, we have so much uncertainty in our country, and I think that our country does need so much reform, and uh, people need to find someone or something to blame, and these theories give people a way to do that mm-hmm. but that's just what i think <laughs> mm-hmm. and up next we also had texas reopening so texas as of right now has the the governor of texas basically set, took out the mask mandate in the horner part of texas but apparently, from what I've heard, there are still some places in Texas that are still requiring the use of masks. So what do you guys think about this? I think it's completely ridiculous that he's saying, oh, let's just get rid of the mask. Let's just open everything up. No, no. So, Michael. All right. Uh, I, I have some very strong opinions on this, and I'm pretty mad. Uh, number one, the thing that makes me mad is that Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, was vaccinated in December. So, of course, he is not worried about getting sick. Number two, I'm not surprised because we're talking about Texas, and this is the state where they call every soda a Coke, even if it's a Mountain Dew. So I'm not surprised at all. Um, number three, I think it sets an awful precedent because we've seen two other states open uh, since and I think that um, my fear is that Florida will open, uh, that DeSantis will see us as a tourist destination where there's no masks and you can come to Disney and, and jump on the beach and have fun and get people that live here sick. Um, that's my, my fourth concern, I believe. But um, the thing that gives me hope is that private businesses, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, correct me if I'm wrong, still have the right to enforce you to wear a mask, uh, even if they were to get rid of the mask mandate tomorrow, I would still wear mine because I'm not vaccinated and I don't want to get anyone sick. I don't trust a lot of other people. But um, if if they lift the mask mandate in Florida, that I already don't go out that often, but that's going to drop the amount of time that I go out. And if they think that that's going to help the economy, in my specific case, I got money to spend right now and I will not be going out in person to spend it if that's the case. I mean... Um, I just think it sets a, a terrible precedent. It doesn't. It doesn't surprise me that it's Texas. I'm not trying to be mean to Texas or the people that live there, but it just doesn't surprise me that it would be Texas and then what is the other state, Mississippi, that would do it. Uh, it seems like their whole coronavirus response since last year, the, some of these states has been just to do what what's the opposite of what public health experts um, recommend. So they're willing to get sick and die to prove a point, which is just 
kind of crazy to me. Uh, but Jillian can go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, I just thought it was worth mentioning as well, because you were talking about the masks, that um, if you do get vaccinated, the CDC is still saying to wear a mask anyways, because they have not done a lot of research um, in terms of, you know, if you're vaccinated, can you still spread it to other people? Um, you know, we know that it decreases your chances of getting sick and getting sick and dying, but they don't know how that affects how you spread it to other people. So anybody listening who has had their vaccine, make sure that you're still wearing your mask for mm-hmm. the time being. Um, but yes, I share the same sentiment as Michael that this is very frustrating to see. Of course, um, you know, the people of Texas didn't do it, their politicians did, um, and it's just very unfortunate. I think that we've seen a lot of videos, or at least I've seen a lot of videos online in the past, even when this was a state mandate that people had to wear masks of, you know, people losing their minds saying that the stores can't enforce it anyways, you know, so I, um, I've worked in retail and I feel very bad for the people who are going to be working in the service industry at this time because they are still going to have every right to tell people to wear a mask, but um, people are going to be increasingly combative. Um, it's quite unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I wanted to add too that uh, really bothers me about this is that I feel like that the compliance of it is going to be um, th- that in the more rural areas where you have less access to hospitals and healthcare and, and more poor people live, that it's going to create, which are already areas that are getting hit hard, but this is just going to hit them harder. I feel like, you know, we take for granted if you live in South Florida, we live around big cities. Pretty much, you can't go nowhere without a mask on. But if you live in a rural county somewhere, you might be able to walk into a bar and have a drink or whatever. Um, you know, and Texas is a big state. It's it's mm-hmm. there's little towns around big cities, and there's long stretches of nothing in between them. So um, that's my concern as well: is that it gets it's going to hurt those people the worst, um, and they're already uh, getting hit really hard. Um, so it's just terrible because it's like, like Jillian said, it's not the people, it's the politicians. And, and I, I share her concern for the retail workers. Uh, they do not make enough money to get yelled at by crazy people that come in and uh, threaten them and stuff for, for not wearing a mask. And I think this is going to increase incidences of that because they're going to say, well, the governor says I don't have to wear a mask. You know what I mean? You can't enforce it when, you know, private businesses have always been able to enforce mm-hmm. what you wear when you come in their store. So so now also this past week we had in the White House, um, in Congress and Senate, we had the talks of the stimulus check and a minimum wage. So eight Democrats defected on a 15 minimum wage hike. So basically what they mean is the fifteen min the fifteen dollar minimum wage that was everybody voted on, everybody wanted it basically fell apart because these eight Democrats said, no, we don't want it. We don't want this vote, so we're not going to do it. So what do you guys think about this? I think it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so first I will, um, I'm going to list out the uh, senators who voted no. Um, and I also have, um, this is from a tweet, so take it with a grain of salt, but it also explains their net worth. <laughs> and I think that's a very interesting thing to think about. Chris Coons, 10.13 million. Angus King, 9.49 million. Joe Manchin, 7.62 million. Tom Carper, 5.73 million. Uh, Jean Shaheen, 3.82 million. 
John Tester, 3.67 million, Maggie Hassan, 3.47 million, and there's nothing listen, listed for Kristen Cinema. Um, but so <laughs> it makes me um, a little angry to see people who are worth, uh, you know, double digits in the millions for some of them even, uh, saying that people don't deserve a living wage. Um, I think it really just goes to show how out of touch our politicians are with what people actually need, um, especially considering the fact that there was a poll and 60% of Americans approved of increasing the minimum wage. So people need it, people want it, um, and the politicians aren't willing to give it. And very quickly, I I, I wanted to talk about um, Senator Cinema, who there's a video online. I don't know if you either of you have seen it um, of her voting no on the on the bill, and she comes to the floor. She pats uh, McConnell, McConnell on the back. She walks to the front of the room, does a cute little curtsy, thumbs down, and then leaves. <laughs> um, so it's very interesting, um, also considering the fact that she ran on promoting a minimum wage. Uh, mm-hmm. She There's tweets that you could see saying that people want the minimum wage, if people need the minimum wage to rise. Um, and she had, had a very uh, cute way of really turning it down. Uh, it was really tone deaf, to say the least. Mm-hmm. So, Michael. Yeah, I, I saw that too, and it it it, uh, it made me mad to keep it PG uh, in here, but um, it made me very angry. But um, the thing that there's two things I want to talk to you about this is that uh, this may get voted on again at a later date. They're striking it down as part of a stimulus package, so let's see if they do keep their promises. Now, I'm not trying to say that I, I believe that they will. And you know what I mean? Cause we've seen this kind of stuff before, but um, this may be revisited at a later time. Uh, I don't think anyone that's working 40 hours a week should be struggling to make ends. I don't care if you work at McDonald's, I don't care where you mm-hmm. work. Every, every job has worth, uh, every person has worth. You should be able to have basic necessities, a car, a place to live, you know, be able to have kids, things like that. I mean, um, but uh, it, the big thing is, is that if, if you know, uh, Democrats have control right now and they, they ran on these promises. And if they don't keep their promises in two years, you can see things flip. So it's, I think it's imperative for them to, you know, to, to go, I don't know, to, to try and deliver on these promises. And, uh, and, and how long has the minimum wage been $7 and 25 cents? A very, very long time. 13 years, 13, 14, something like that. And I, I don't know if any of you have ever worked for that low of a wage. Uh, I, I personally have. Uh, it's pretty terrible, um, especially if you're not getting help from your mom, your dad, or some other source. I mean, it, it, I don't know what to say. Uh, I, I think that even even $15 an hour, depending on where you live, can sometimes be too low. You know what I mean? So. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something I think that they're definitely going to have to visit again. Uh, I know they struck it down as part of the stimulus package, but um, what was her name? Cinema with, when she went out and did the little thumbs down. It's just like, why would you even do such a thing? Uh, yeah. You know you're on TV. You know you're on CCTV. And uh, that's just, I don't know, man. I, I, I expect that from a child, not someone that's an elected re- representative. So, mm-hmm. so get in. Uh, yeah, just to add, so the minimum wage has been seven, $7.25 since, since 2009. Um, 
prior to that in 2008 it was 655 and prior to that in 2007 it was 585 so it was steadily increasing up until 2009 and we haven't seen an increase since um so there's the information on that so i actually i just saw this this kind of has a little bit to do with minimum wage kind of doesn't but cbs news it's an article says experts sound the alarm on declining birth rates among young generations it's a crisis and right near the end of the article right at the end they said something that actually pointed me out it was the cost of living the cost of education all these things have become more and more difficult Dallow said i think the boomers themselves don't realize how much harder it is for millennials today and they think oh yeah when we were young we had to live you know on very little money we may do and you can do the same that's the story right well no it really is a lot harder for young people today it's amazing how much harder it is and that really shook me because i was like that is completely true because the older generation they grew up in in a era in that that was okay they may do with that now our generation me jillian michael all of us we're living in a generation that that is not possible. And that kind of goes back with the minimum wage. The minimum wage hasn't increased and the cost of living has just gone up and up. And we've seen no help in that. So Jillian. There was a study and I believe um, if minimum wage kept up with inflation, it would be in the high 20s, um, almost $30 right now if minimum wage kept up with inflation. So $15, if we wanna go based off of inflation is actually way too low. Um, and so it's not surprising when, you know, millennials and now Gen Z, like we can't afford to do the things that our parents could do and what our grandparents could do. Uh, it's really sad and I wish, I hope we can get the $15 uh, minimum wage passed, but I think honestly that people deserve more than that. Michael. I would agree with that. Uh, I was going to say, um, you know, uh, especially with what Jillian said, it's if you in, if you account for infl inflation, fifteen dollars is actually probably pretty low. And uh, I mean, I know I have friends that are nurses. I have friends that are engineers that don't have children that are in long term relationships that, that aren't thinking at all about children. These are people that make a lot of money. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I have a car. I have my own place to stay and things like that. And I. I don't even think about children and I've been with my girlfriend for three years. It's like not even on my radar at all. And the big reason for that is that everything's already expensive without feeding a, a kid. You know what I mean? So, um, and if you look back at like uh, the baby boomer generation um, after world war two, you know, their parents and stuff that, that economy, that boom was in part influenced by heavily taxing high earners. And we've really gotten away from that. And it's why it's kind of uh, funny to me when um, Republicans talk about, you know, when they say making America great again, uh, to me, I read that as them make it like the 1950s and 60s again. Well, that would mean taxing rich people again. And uh, it's just, uh, I mean, that's basically my point uh, pretty much is that higher taxes for the rich, more money for you know, us for, for people that actually go to work and, uh, and actually need it. Um, and like you, like Jillian said, 15 is probably still on the low end, probably. Mm -hmm. 
So also this week, we had stimulus checks being discussed. So as of right now, the stimulus payment is to $1,400. So anyone want to kind of give their viewpoints on this? Yeah, so like you said, it's $1,400. The bill was a $1.9 billion bill. that was thankfully passed. Everyone will be getting, well, not everyone, but most people, they will be getting uh, $1,400. Um, what's different about this round of stimulus checks that I think is very important um, is college kids, even those who are claimed as dependents on tax forms for other people, they are still el- eligible for the stimulus check. So in the past, if you were a college student and your parents claimed you on, your t- on their taxes, you were not eligible. Uh, even if you were basically living independently, it didn't matter. Um, but they're, they are changing that this time around. So uh, college kids, you are uh, on that in that way eligible. Um, so keep an eye out for that. Mm-hmm. So Michael? Yeah, I, I was going to bring that up as well. I, I, I'm an independent student, so uh, I'm, I, I've been getting the stimulus checks, luckily. But I, was, I didn't know that uh, back when they released the first one, way, way back when, that I was talking to one of my friends that I used to go to Broward with and she said that she can't get it. And I was like, why? And she said, cause I'm a college student. And I was like, well, I'm a student, I get it. And, and the difference was, is that her parents were claiming her on her tax returns where as I was an independent student. So now uh, the college kids will get that money they need that. That's a lot of money for a college kid. I mean, but um, also, I mean, I, I still think that our stimulus response has been kind of pathetic. If you look at like other countries, you look at France, I think France is, now I'm paraphrasing because I read this a long time ago, but they were getting like 2,800 US dollars equivalent a month for mm-hmm. everybody. And uh, if you look at the GDP of France compared to the United States, we can afford to give that money uh, more than, than France can. And yet we did not. And uh, if you want the economy to come back, then that's it's in the word. It's stimulated. It stimulates the economy. I mean, so many people are one check away from getting thrown out of their house or whatever and $1,400. One, one or two payments of $1,400 doesn't cut it. Um, that's, I, I'm glad it's coming now. Better, better have money than not have money. You know what I mean? And uh, I don't like thinking of it as the government giving us the money because it comes from our tax dollars. You're getting your money, basically. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, better late than never. I, uh, I think we should maybe even get more. Honestly, down the road, maybe we'll see what happens. Um, I'm a little cynical about that, but um, yeah, I mean, hopefully we get more. I just the the response I think has been pretty poor to this point. I'm, you're completely right. I mean, other countries mm-hmm. paid their citizens over a thousand dollars a month to stay home, and they did that for months. Um, and we have not done that, and I think that's part of the problem. With their people who want to stay home can't stay home. Of course, Mm -hmm. there are people who are retaliatory and they don't want to, but majority of people do want to, but they just can't. Like service workers, for example, um, can't afford to not work. Uh, They wouldn't be able to pay their rent. Uh, So I think we could really have taken a lesson from foreign countries in terms of how to handle this and how to really uh, downturn the amount of cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially like I'm studying like, uh, you guys know, like I really love studying Asian culture. And I think it was in South Korea that I saw that they were when you if you were like positive for COVID or um, during this specific era of COVID time at the beginning, I'm not sure of now, they were giving like their people like um, 
like stacks of like food like if they were in quarantine they got like their pads if they got like food and there would be like somebody that would come out and like um in hazard myth suit and pick up their stuff so i just like when i saw that i thought oh my goodness look at what south korea is doing and look at what the united states is doing it's completely different yeah i think it's a it's a division type of thing uh, the u.s is a little bit more divided and um and and those like you know uh it's just hard to compare because our country is one of only what two or three developed countries that doesn't have universal health care or -hmm. something like that so um which is crazy yeah we're one of the few most um most first world countries um to my understanding do have like some kind of universal health care um ours is quite barbaric compared to a lot of those around us so of course, right now we also have Kumo. So if you guys don't know, there have been sexual assault allegations against him. And just to kind of put this a little bit into perspective, Chris Kumo from CNN, he is the brother of Andrew Kumo. And this past week on CNN, he said, I will not be reporting on it because he is my brother. And I completely agree with him because that is a conflict of interest. He is his brother. He's not going to report on it. If anybody else at CNN is going to report it, they're going to report it themselves without him. Yeah. um, If we didn't talk about it previously, uh, just to recap, he was outed for basically misreporting the number of deaths within nursing homes uh, due to COVID. So that has been a big issue. But even more recently now, there are women coming forward about uh, sexual misconduct allegations. Uh, one reporter said that he like uh, tried to convince her to eat something in a way that was sexual, I believe. Um, uh, another woman who came forward, she's actually uh, 63 years old at this point, uh, said that he created a culture of sexual harassment and bullying. Uh, so a total of five women have come out now against Cuomo. Uh, saying that he um, sexually harassed them in some form. Yeah, uh, not a good look at all. Um, and and I, I think, did wasn't he on TV the other day and he steadfastly said that he would not resign at all at any point? Yeah, I think, he did. I uh, think so. But um, we'll have to see how this progresses. Definitely not a good look. Um, as, I mean, this is just... I, I, I can't believe, well, I can believe, but it, it's guys in position of power, you know, how this happens. It seems to happen uh, habitually. I, I wonder who raised these people, but um, it's, this is just terrible. I, I um, we'll see how it goes, you know, as we get more details. I'm sure we'll get more details this week. I'm sure uh, more stuff will leak. I, uh, there may even be more accusers. I mean, hopefully not because you don't want more people to be hurt, but um, yeah, n- not a good look. It wasn't a good look with the, the, uh, the nursing home stuff, but this is just even worse. Maybe. I, I don't know. They're both so bad. Uh, yeah, pretty much, man. That's, we'll have to see what goes on with this. Mm-hmm. And of course we also have, the a bill on George Floyd has come out. So I don't really, I didn't really hear about this until very recently. So Julian, do you want to give some backup on this? 
Sure, it's um it's a police reform bill in honor of George Floyd. George Floyd. Um, it is more formally reformed uh, referred to as the HR one bill, um, and essentially the nuts and bolts of it is that it will uh, allow automatic voter registration. It will try to put a stop to gerrymandering. Uh, it will allow for publicly financed elections, and it will also increase the funds necessary for third party or smaller party candidates, essentially making it harder for them to get on the ballot. So that is an issue as well. So there's some positives, some negatives to the bill, and overall, I'm a, I'm a bit skeptical, skeptical about how effective it will be. Mm-hmm. So, Michael, uh, I agree with Jillian. Um, wh- one thing that uh, I think that hadn't been mentioned too is that this is supposed to end uh, qualified immunity for police officers. And what that is, uh, the you could Google it, but the long and short of it is, is that it's hard to sue a police officer, mm-hmm. even if they hurt you and they were proven wrong, basically. Um, and this is supposed to end that. The, the automatic voting thing, that is awesome. That is cool because I don't know if, if you've been reading the papers and stuff, but there's, in a lot of the states that flip to Biden, the Republican legislators and stuff are trying to restrict voter access and they're really going on a campaign of voter suppression which is disgusting you know they they claim they love democracy while they demolish it uh every week but um they um uh, you know banning the chokeholds and stuff i'm all for that but a lot of these chokeholds and stuff have been banned at police departments for years sometimes decades and we see that officers still use them which is you know what i mean and 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 ending racial discrimination and stuff like that amongst your police officers. Once again, you know, you could say that, but it are, is, is, is something actually going to come of this? Are you still going to keep hiring from this same pool of problematic police officers and things like that? I mean, we all just want um, to live in a safer place. I think we all just want to be treated the same way. Um, I'm a white guy. I don't got to worry really when I go out anywhere that anyone's going to bother me, but I'm not dumb enough to realize that other people aren't treated differently because of the color of their skin or the the language they speak or whatever. So um, I, I just, I'm skeptical of, of what it will change in, in those regards, as far as like the chokeholds and the actual discrimination, because if you keep hiring from these same pool of candidates and uh, they still have the same training and you still have this culture of us versus them, which is like the police's culture, I feel like in a lot of ways. And that leads to, um, I would say like combativeness and situations where, I think we've seen a a lot of situations in the last year or two where uh, someone undergoing like a mental health crisis, the police get called and then the person undergoing the crisis gets shot or killed or hurt. Um, So I don't know, I mean, We'll, we need to do more work on it, obviously, I think. I think that, um, I, and the biggest problem is that police officers really, when they do something wrong, they investigate themselves. And it's like, we've investigated ourselves and found we've done nothing wrong. I, that should just be, nah, you know what I mean? So, um, and and uh, we'll see how that, uh, speaking of George Floyd, his Derek Chauvin, the man that killed him, uh, that murdered him, I should say, uh, he will go on trial this week on the 8th. So that is sure to be very interesting. Um, so I know we'll probably talk about that maybe on the next podcast. Mm-hmm. And something to kind of bring up 
there was also kind of related to police and throw on this topic, a Kentucky bill would make it a crime to insult a police officer. So in the state of Kentucky, there is a bill that's moving through the Senate there that would make it a crime to insult or taunt a police officer during a riot. Which, uh, again, I mean, you mentioned this, Michael, about the Republican Party who seems to, you know, be very fond of the Constitution and spew rhetoric about protecting our freedoms. But to me, this seems like a very blatant infringement on First Amendment rights. Um, do I think that people should be able to assault officers? Of course not. But to say, you know, because I've seen videos of people, you know, insulting them and saying, oh, you're short or you look like, you know, just basically teasing them. It's not nice, but to say, to make it illegal, I mean, that seems like a step too far to say the least. Mm -hmm. And especially from what I'm waiting, uh, reading on CBS News, a person convicted of this misdemeanor charge could face a $250 fine and be disqualified from public assistance benefits for three months. So, Michael. Yeah, uh, th this bill doesn't surprise me because here in Florida, we had something similar to this a couple weeks ago. I don't remember the specifics. Um, mm -hmm. I, I would pull it up, but it probably take me too long. But De DeSantis, uh, I think he was pushing, trying to push for something that would amount to any like uh, protest essentially being declared a riot. And then getting people in trouble. And to me, it looked like a a direct uh, response to social justice protests, essentially to outlaw them. And we have the right to protest. We have the right to free assembly. Um, and and also, I, you know, assaulting, insulting, not assaulting, insulting a police officer has never really been illegal to my knowledge. And I mean, these are people that are supposed to act with restraint, that are supposed to help us, you know what I mean, when you call them. And I don't know, man, to to to, to find someone because they, you know, they told a, a police officer, you know, screw you or, you know what I mean? You're like Jillian said, you're short, you know, what are you going to do? You're bald or whatever. <laughs> I mean, come on, dude. Uh, you know, th these are they're supposed to be professionals. I, I mean, you know what I'm saying? And the language seems... I mean, it'll be vague enough that, I mean, like you said, if I, uh, it said specifically in a protest, right? So if I see, if I'm at a protest hypothetically and I see a police officer and if I just say one thing to him, even if it's not an insult, a bill like that would make it possible for me to be arrested and, you know, give an officer another reason to make something up. They could say, well, she said that I was ugly, so I had every right to arrest her. You know, it's just... It's something that if it gets passed, first of all, the way that it's supposed to be used is an infringement on our rights. Mm -hmm. But I, th I think it could be incredibly misused. Well, I, you know, that's the crazy thing, too, is that I, I, I feel like lately people have been uh, really scared of uh, they've talked a lot about like um, government infringing on rights. And they use like the mask mandate to talk about that. But what really it should worry people is like stuff like this, where it's like, mm -hmm. you know, where you insult a police officer and you get thrown in prison. That's not something that you think of that would happen in America. That's something that I would think that would happen in like a place that was that was a one party state. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that that's something that you think of of like a North Korea or a communist China where, you know, if you don't toe the party line, you're 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 gonna get penalized in some way. So uh, you know, I mean, obviously no one should run around insulting a cop to their face anyway, but like if you're at a protest or whatever and like I said, it, it, these people, uh, by the police officers, by what I, what I mean by these people, uh, you know, show some restraint. I mean, someone called you a name, big deal. I mean, they, they get paid very well, man. I mean, if, if that's the worst thing that happens to you in your day, I mean, you're lucky. You know what I mean? So, uh, I mean, go look at some of the salaries of, of some of these cops of how much they make. If you get a little verbal, you know, someone calls you short or whatever, something like that. You know, I, I don't think that's a reason to find someone or, or do anything. I, I just, it, it, to me, this is just an answer to like the social justice protests to scare people to, you know what I mean? Like, like Natalia mentioned a $250 fine. Well, some people can't afford that fine. And that might stop some people from going to a protest or showing up. I know that when I wanted to go to a protest this past summer, but I saw in the news they were shooting rubber bullets at people and I stayed far away. I, I had a brand new car. I didn't want to get hurt. I was the, the police response scared me from going. And, and I think this is like a, another scare tactic, not as overt, but that's what I see it as basically. So I guess that wraps up our episode four of the You Press Play News podcast. Tune in next week to see what we'll be talking about next. My name is Natalia and... We are done.